0: hey everybody i'm scott and this is tangents Um, hopefully getting a little bit more stable with the computer although i will tell you and i'm sorry to keep bringing this up but i'm frustrated with it Um, my normal macbook pro is in apple care for the second time being looked at and um, ostensibly repaired Um, although I i have to say i don't think so there there was a definite problem with my previous version. Um, The thing was crashing very often. I'm certain there was something electrically wrong, and it was also getting, it's hard to say this because it still is getting very hot, but it was getting even more hot under even less load. Now it's getting very hot under very low load, but not as bad. So, marginal improvement, but the fucking thing still, stupidly hot, sent it back in, and this time I did something which I would never in the past have considered doing. Um, And I guess this maybe is gonna speak to a little bit of privilege here, but um, got a temporary MacBook Pro with the intention of returning it, specifically so that I could work because I have a bunch of stuff that are like on tight deadlines and they're things that I have to do in macOS. There are things that I could probably get set up on Windows, but the last time I was without my MacBook, I, I could not do it. I, I spent like a week trying to get that stuff you know, spun up and just, I know it exists, it's possible to do. I just couldn't do it. It was such a fucking pain in the ass. And also my productivity on Windows was just shit. Like, I can't believe how bad Windows is. I said this before, The whole I guess the whole last one of these was, Apple is like the Democrats. Um, you know, both pretty much suck as far as I'm concerned, but there's no really good alternative. There's not like go, there's not like better than Apple. There's, it, it's frustrating. It's not really a free market um, in any real sense. Anyway, I'm gonna drop that for now, but hopefully you'll know, you'll know if the audio gets like turns to shit, Uh, then that will be the computer crashing in the other room. Uh, This time at least my time machine backup worked, which is even more infuriating about last time because as far as I can tell, I didn't do anything different. And last time it just didn't like it. And this time the migration assistant uh, liked it, who knows? And it worked, not perfectly. I still had to set up a couple of things. Um, It wasn't like completely replicating my the state of my previous system, but it was fuck ton easier than the previous time, which was just basically like setting up a new system entirely. So, anyway, that's that. I'm um, gonna try not to talk about that. Um, Arizona today is leading the world in COVID 19 cases, and uh, that's fucking awesome. You know, that's, um, I'm not gonna talk about that either, but it's like so goddamn dumb. I mean, the thing that's annoying about this is, and the reason that I, one of the reasons I don't even want to talk about it too much is, just it was preventable. Now, obviously, you can't stop the pandemic, but what you could do is limit things and have you know aseptic te- have aseptic technique mandated, have social distancing mandated, don't have people sitting in restaurants, and yet today, as I speak, there are people in fucking restaurants. Exposing themselves, exposing the people who work there. It's just crazy. And it doesn't need to be like, doesn't need to be everything is shut down. Um, But you could do a lot better than this. Basically, limit the spread, tamp things down, do tracing, do testing, all this kind of stuff. There are ways to mitigate it. And yet, we have done none of those. And everything we've done is almost. You know, it's almost like it's designed to make things worse. Plus, we did a bit of that early on and had a massive, massive economic impact due to it, and spent trillions of dollars of just money that we manifested out of thin air um, on that. Mostly, you know, some of it for good things, but mostly going to people like Nancy Pelosi's husband Nancy Pelosi, 100 Millionaire. Her fucking husband got PPP, pay, Paycheck, <laughs> Payroll, protect I can't say it, Payroll Protection Loan, or Payroll Protection Program loans for his company, which are like loans that are forgivable um, to pay people. Um, so loans that are forgivable translates to free money, essentially. A bunch of fucking people, Kanye West, uh, Trump, you know, a bunch of assholes. You can go through a big list. Of people who definitely don't need this, uh, who got free money, and yet something like 50 million people are out of work. And they got a $1,200 check, and a lot of people are not even able to keep that. Uh, it's it's so beyond fucked, and doesn't need to be this way. Does not need to be this fucking way. And so the thing that I really um, like, I think the thing that I really wanted to talk about a little bit. And I'm not gonna, because I'm so paranoid about the, uh, the system crashing, I will spare you the protracted discussion. Uh, but the thing I wanted to talk, about, talk about, is basically, I've been I've been wrestling with this thing for a while, and basically this is the idea. Uh, certainly, I think economics, is a natural like emer- I mean it's the study of exchange of value and this kind of stuff. And I think it naturally emerges um, just from, you know, you you have a few basic assumptions that are perfectly reasonable and it just springs up. And then there are are various economic systems. Uh, I've talked a lot about capitalism being kind of a natural one that again, you know, if you have private ownership, um, it just kind of naturally happens. I don't think it's something that you can decide to do or not do, at least a semblance of capitalism, and I've been really struggling, actually, with this term and the current situation, which is a very, you know, it's not like it immediately, it's not a problem that started six months ago. This is uh, really centuries old and getting much worse now. And the thing that was bothering me is, you know, it, I kind of am wrestling with, like, I'm I'm not a Elizabeth Warren capitalist to the bones kind of person, but I am a guy that has, you know, I've, I'm a guy who started companies. I'm a guy who does like the idea of, you know, you work hard and uh, you make a pro ideally make a good product, you sell it, you make money, you make a profit, you employ people, you do things like this. It seems like a good deal. Um, you shouldn't be necessarily like a hundred billionaire. You shouldn't be on the way to being a trillionaire for that, especially when people who work for you are completely fucked. But I think it's reasonable to get somewhat outsized. You know, if you create a company, you take the risk and all of this stuff, get a little bit more, you know, not like a ridiculous amount, but a little bit more is nice. And, you know, pay, ideally you pay your employees well. Ideally also, and this is one that I always go to, but uh, like pharmaceutical companies, Make a good product, save people's lives, make their lives better, make a profit even, but don't sell something that is life-saving potentially, or in the worst case, not even life-saving. Um, doesn't help you, but you sell it under the guise of it being life-saving for thousands upon thousands of dollars, and it costs you know nothing to make, and it's something where all of the R&D was done decades ago and maybe even the company has already written it off because it turned out it didn't work very well for the original application. Yeah, it didn't pass the FDA tests for efficacy. And then they just had it kind of like sitting on the shelf, let it go for a while. And then, oh, they try something else and it you know, works. Um, this kind of thing is so fucked up. But anyway, the thing that bothered me is I, I'm like sitting there racking my brains thinking I don't know, like maybe I just need to study more economics because there's, there seems to be a linguistic problem. Like I don't have the right term for the system that we have. And I kept thinking about it because I don't, it's like, it's weird because I have this idea of kind of capitalism, uh, which is as I described it, you know, like things are not malignant and horrible and people are not just, like there are values other than just money. you know you have exchange of goods and services and value in the sense Um, you know something that's reasonable and then there's the whole malignant capitalism which is like just fucked in you know so many different ways and deeply intertwined with with racism and other things and you try to look at that and square the circle you try to figure out like okay how do you you know what is the right system what is what is the name for this why are these two things is it that I have this idea, this idealized idea of what I think capitalism is? And then there's the reality, which is very different. Or is it just that the reality is actually a different thing? Or, or what I'm talking about is a different thing? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not certainly claiming that what I'm talking about is the same, or is the correct definition. but. On a lot of reflection I think what we really have fundamentally is actually just it's not it's not so much capitalism like capitalism is this idea where you have private ownership of things we really have feudalism and it it took me a while to kind of come to that but basically you have essentially a very small number of elites who actually own property and own things and then almost everybody else almost everybody else doesn't really own, like you might in some sense own certain things, but for the most part, almost everybody doesn't own something. Like even if you own in giant air quotes your house, you probably have a mortgage, the bank owns it. You have, you're paying the bank money to live in the house and to kind of have some kind of possession of it, but really the bank is just floating you and uh, they're collecting money from you. They're collecting, I mean, it's, it's almost like a serfdom fiefdom kind of thing even, but you are essentially like there's a feudal lord or several and you know, these people actually air quotes own things. And then most of the rest of us are sitting there kind of like just doing work and spinning our wheels um, to blow turbines to keep Spinning our own wheels, and it's just this weird cyclic thing. It's not really. Uh, it, it goes into this thing that I mentioned before um, several times, I'm sure. But that most of what most people do is not necessary today. Most of most of what most of us do, um, even even the stuff that actually adds value to the world, unless you're actually producing food, or you know, I mean, there there are certain things. Like, if you're the guy who comes by and collects the garbage, that is an actual, you know, I would claim essential job. If you're the person taking care of sewage, or water treatment, or food production, any of these things, food distribution, those are jobs where if you stop doing that, the world literally turns to shit. Most of us though, I mean, you look at the percentage of people who do that kind of stuff, small percentage. One of the advantages of being in a relatively advanced, by our standards, civilization, is that not, mo- like, if you're in a younger civilization, one that's uh, more like hunter-gatherers or early agric- agricultural kind of civilization, everybody is directly producing, or nearly everybody is directly producing the things that make them, like, that they need to survive. Uh, producing in whatever form. They could be just hunting and gathering it, or they could be growing it, uh, manufacturing stuff themselves, or not. Um, but whatever you're using, you're pretty much either making for yourself, collecting for yourself, um, whatever you're eating. You know. So we're to a point where a very small fraction of people are doing that. Still not zero. And we're still a ways from zero. You know, robotics and automation is not... As much as Andrew Yang might uh, talk about it, we're a pretty decent way. As someone who does some work in this field, yeah, we're, we're really advanced in certain ways compared to where we were, but there are so many things that we just can't do today. And it's not just that we can't do them today. We don't even have an idea of how to, like there are a lot of things that we can do and they're kind of like engineering problems where Just do more of what we've already done. We know it works, and you're pretty much good. But there are a lot of things, a lot of things that you really would want to do or would need to do to fully automate this kind of stuff. What the fuck? I got got to tell you. Um, There are a lot of things that you would want to do to fully automate this kind of stuff. Oh, my fucking God. There are a lot of things that you might want to do to automate this kind of stuff that really requires a lot of just fundamental research things like development of new technologies new approaches to the solving problems and this is not an engineering problem it's a research problem or at least it's on the cusp and a lot of it is really just basic research needs to be done um, I, I totally think they're solvable problems but we're not there right so but we will get there. I think we're on a trajectory to probably get there. And the thing that's scary actually is, uh, two, two things are really scary actually about where we are. If you imagine in this kind of feudal system uh, where someone like say Bezos collects enough money that, uh, imagine imagine, all of a sudden, right now at least, Bezos will get old, he will die, uh, his money will kind of get returned to the earth, so to speak, you know, his he'll decompose, get scattered to the, to the winds. And uh, that's, I think it's actually kind of a good thing. Um, as much as I would love personally to live indefinitely, uh, the fact that someone horrible isn't going to, the fact that Trump, for example, is going to die someday, uh, this is actually a really fucking good thing. And if you don't have that, then you start having people who accrue so much power over time. I mean, if you imagine, People could live indefinitely now it's great in some sense but imagine okay you've collected so much debt that now essentially into eternity you are an indentured servant uh, you're essentially you know I mean arguably a slave but under nicer conditions it's one of the things I think that uh, it's sort of the way that our economy is set up a lot of people like it is futile but it's a sort of nicer spin on it. We have a lot of stuff that makes us feel better. And that kind of stuff means that we're less like urgently trying to escape it. You know, even if you're kind of like peek behind the curtain and you see what the situation is, it's kind of like, OK, I can, you know, I have um, I have big TV. I have endless entertainment. Um, things kind of suck. And, you know, if you get sick or your kid gets sick, uh, you might, even if you live, you might go into medical bankruptcy or something horrible. But, you know, barring that kind of thing, things are kind of, like, okay. You know, I, I, I mentioned this a lot, but your quality of living in a lot of ways is better than, say, Louis Fourteenth, The the person, or any, any emperor of any dynasty in China, the person with the most power in the world at any given time... Um, before like 100 years ago, if it was hot outside, they're fucked, they can't, they can't, they had no air conditioning, they had no running water up until very recently. I don't know if you can hear this, there's somebody outside just honking incessantly. And um, I don't think it's an alarm, I don't know, but it's obnoxious. Um, I'm going to try to edit that out a little bit, but I do have some time pressure both because I have something after this and because I know that that computer in there is essentially a time bomb just waiting to go off. But anyway, um, I think that's where we are. So you imagine that at some point we do develop that technology, we live indefinitely. And now someone like Bezos could essentially, I mean, it's, it's like the more money you have, the more you've accumulated, uh, the more you can, the more power you have, which lets you accumulate more. And it, it, it's like a black hole. At a certain point, you know, you've you accreted so much that nothing can escape you. And it's kind of horrifying, actually. Like you look at Bill Gates. If you take Bill Gates at his, ward, at his word, he was trying to give away... The bulk of his money before he died, um, and yet when he started that, he had like half the money that, or half the well, money, half the net worth that he has now. Yeah. So either he's full of shit, or he just like can't do it. Um, I, I'm sure he's full of shit to some extent, but I think also like there's something like legitimately it's hard to do. When you, all of us in terms of like human needs, um, have a finite floor. You know, the in fact, we have a finite ceiling. Like uh, you know, you have a minimal amount that you need to subsist: Um, shelter, food, water, all that stuff. And at a certain point, you know, you get more money, you can eat a little bit better, you can get a bigger house, you can start playing more games or have some kind of entertainment. You can have a nicer car. Uh, You maybe you start flying or something. You have a plane. Uh, You start having. Say you have a yacht, even at a certain point you know things that sound insane like a billion dollar yacht how many fucking yachts do you need how many billion dollar yachts do you need how many planes do you need Uh, at a certain point like it's almost impossible for a human individual to spend that much money i mean to pick on bezos some more the guy said the only way i could imagine deploying this much capital is starting a private space program, something that most countries don't do. He does, and even then, you know, he's put this much money in. He's got this stuff going, and yet the motherfucker is still getting richer by the day. Um, you know, it's it's like, and this is the problem because when you're, if you imagine you're making the median household income, um, even if you're being very frugal, maybe you start accumulating a little bit of money, but very slowly and if you're not being frugal you're either breaking even or just slowly going into debt Um, and as you're in debt the nice thing about debt and compound interest and i think this is hard to really convey but if you're paying compound interest a thousand dollars in a few years can end up being a few thousand dollars so it's really tempting to buy something now But what you don't realize is you're gonna pay for it many times over versus don't buy it, put money in savings, and especially if you can put money in some kind of an investment vehicle, and then you get something. Now, does that mean that you actually own something? Well, probably not because most of those investment vehicles are things like buying a house. You definitely don't own the house. Um, If you own stock shares, I guess you kind of own a fraction of the company, but you also, I mean, uh, you're not paying for it, so you do kind of own it, but it's not really its not really yours. It's not like, um, unless you have a massive chunk of that company, you don't really have that much of a say in what the company does. You have kind of like a, a sliver of something and you're kind of dragged along at the whims of the people who have bigger chunks of the pie. Um, yeah, you know, so you kind of arguably own something there, but it, in terms of private ownership, it's just, um, I mean, if you look at people's net worth, this kind of thing, how many people, even if people are high net worth individuals in air quotes, how many of those people actually have that much? Um, Shockingly few. And you you get, there's this thing called leverage, which is the more money you have, the more money you can borrow. And the more money you can borrow, well, use this money to borrow more money You keep doing that and then you could get, um, you know, things that you can't really afford. But as you're doing that, you're going into debt. And so you don't you're back into this thing where you're sort of not really you don't you don't have this private ownership, which is supposed to be a fundamental part of capitalism. Um, And again, I'm not trying to defend capitalism here by coming up with this whole feudal thing or not really coming up with it. I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to come up with this idea. Um, but I do think I'm convincing myself that it is correct, um, or at least by and large correct. It's not to say 100% and it's not the same situation, but um, it's pretty bad. Anyway, I think uh, with that, um, the, the other thing that kind of scares me, well, the other thing that scares me in addition to, at some point if you imagine medical technology, um, letting people live indefinitely, Uh, As as bad as it is with a Bezos, you know, imagine a thousand-year-old Bezos. You know, what the fuck happens there? A thousand-year-old Bill Gates. You know, I mean, the idea that, like, these people would essentially own everything. And you imagine also, this is the second part that scares me, uh, with automation, at this point, automation is not there yet. But at some point in the future, barring catastrophe, Basically all labor will be reduced to the cost of, of energy and raw materials. And what that means is, you know, like if you have good automation um, and especially you start going out into space, you have essentially, I mean, it's not endless sunlight, but you have as much as you want up to a very large number. And in terms of materials, I mean, you have, A single nickel iron, I I talk about this a lot, but a single nickel iron asteroid has a trillion dollars on today's market. Obviously, you put it in the market, it will fuck up the numbers, but it has that much material in it on today's market. That means you essentially have, you take one of them, and if you have the ability to smelt it down and make shit out of it, and especially if you have good automation that lets you build anything, essentially, that a person could do, um, and especially you know, if you can automate the things that are making this stuff uh, being made as well, then you know you start out with like one or two of these things and then you build a whole army of them. And then very quickly, you have just crazy ability to build just mega structures that are currently not even, I mean, they're conceivable, but just barely. And at that point, it's just a matter of like having the will to do it. Um, And you start getting to that point with the very long-lived bezos or gates or whoever and you imagine that they control the automation that's now making everything Um, you get to a point where there's no real like no real human labor is involved in any anything essentially that we need and now you have this relic though of, like, you you live in a place that could be, by the way that it's set up, a utopia, um, essentially a post-scarcity civilization. But if you go there from here without some kind of major revolution in between, um, and the only thing that can kind of fix this is, I guess, if you have someone doing the the automation that's not not a greedy fucking bastard, because if you're a greedy bastard, you become the wealthiest person in the world and then money doesn't mean anything, but you control all the stuff. So you essentially still are able to keep that stranglehold. Whereas what would happen in kind of a natural market, like a real market, is that the costs of all of these things would go essentially to zero. And you know Gates and Bezos and all these people could be like massive multi-trillionaires but their money would be worthless because they couldn't buy anything with it that you can't buy. And at a certain point, you start thinking, well, if you get to that point, like, well, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, there are things, there are certainly things that are fundamentally scarce resources. But even even things like land, if our population doesn't grow that much, um, everybody could have, especially when you start developing like technologies that make getting around very easy and virtual, like say telepresence, this kind of stuff, so easy that it doesn't really matter if you go someplace or not. You could live on, I mean, when you look at the smeared out density of people, each person could have a vast uh, domain around them. And especially if you're willing to live with a handful of people like your family, you could have this giant chunk of land and, or, or sea if you like, and, not be bothered by people and it's it becomes basically a choice but you know and that's not to say that there aren't going to be premium spots but even if you just restrict us to say the coastlines um, which a lot of people don't really even want to live on the coast but if you did there's a lot of fucking land it's shocking actually when you look at how densely packed people are in some places it's not it's not real uh it's it's real in the sense that yeah but there are a lot of places that are just very spartan. Uh, which is not to say that we should just spread people out over the whole planet. I mean, it's kind of a fucked up thing, uh, but you could, imagine, um, you could imagine making it work. Anyway, with all of that, uh, so I, I really do think, I think in a lot of ways, we're kind of at an inflection point as a civilization. And we have, I hope things go in a much better direction uh, but you could imagine ways to go to very bad situations, um, you know, almost intractably bad, because once, once you get to the point where labor is essentially free, um, you know, I guess it's an arms race to some extent, but it becomes very difficult for somebody who is subjugated to overthrow you know, the people who have taken over. And you know, especially also, you know, when, when you're thinking about people who are limited to sort of human scale intelligence or um, you know, maybe a little bit enhanced, but not that much more, at least there you're kind of playing on a level field. And yeah, you know, there's some chance. But if you imagine that one person controls a genuine like, super intelligence, and that person is nefarious, they're essentially evil Um, that person can manipulate things in ways you know that are just not even perceptible to most people probably to anyone and you know if you really understand like you imagine you understand the entirety of the world and you have the ability to sort of nudge things i mean i guess it's kind of like the um the Westworld season three plot uh to some extent They have essentially a super intelligence that can model every human's life and predict with essentially 100% fidelity what's gonna happen, uh, with some exceptions. Once you can do that, you can also prune and manipulate things. And that's a a pretty scary thing because if you're that kind of a person, you don't even have, like, this is the thing I always think about with Skynet, you know, like Terminator 2 kind of thing, in that case, you have Skynet, which launches missiles and nukes the world, and there is this overt hot war between the machines and the remaining humans. If you're a super intelligence and you want to take over the world, first off, you don't even need to. I mean, it, the analogy is not even like you're an adult and you're trying to manipulate a kid um, just like, you know, through reverse psychology or something like that. It's you're, so I mean that is, a tiny tiny difference, in terms of intelligence and capabilities. Imagine that multiplied, by orders and orders of magnitude. Just with almost no effort at all, you're able to manipulate the entire civilization into doing whatever the fuck you want. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty dire when you think about it. Um, although of course when you start thinking about well. If you do get multiple people with that kind of capability, um, at least nobody's able to, to overpower anyone. But uh, if, if you, it really just takes one or two nefarious people with that sort of technology to, to make things pretty bad. And uh, so anyway, on that pleasant note, um, I'm not gonna quite leave there. I'm gonna take like an extra five minutes uh, to talk about just what I've been up to. So. One of the things that I think, I don't know if this is necessarily like a personal log or a journal sort of thing, but I I think there's an aspect of it. And uh, today is the 8th of July, 2020, just to give you a reference. Not that it's not in the timestamp on the file or the video or the audio or whatever. But this day, I went flying this morning, I went flying yesterday and between the two, I guess um, I, I did 13 touch and goes. So touch and go is you're flying, you take off, you land, you take off again without uh, without stopping and You just kind of go around. And um, I guess eight yesterday, five today, gonna do more next week. And I'm getting to the point actually, I still, the, the very, the flare and then the touchdown, I'm not quite there yet, but, the pattern, the like navigating around the airport and lining up to the runway and all this stuff, I'm getting pretty fucking uh, decent at. I'm not, um, you know. Now, to be fair, I'm fucking decent at it relative to not being able to do it at all. Not relative to somebody who's any good at all. Uh, I'm like the kid who's now I've been driving for a little while and I got on the freeway and I kind of you know maybe I'm a little hesitant to merge. But other than that, I'm kind of like able to negotiate things as long as there's no like big surprise. It's kind of shocking, actually, how um, how that progresses. And it's um, today. There was a lot of traffic, and it was actually kind of. um, It was kind of interesting how. at At first, it was just like the first. After we took off. Uh, The flight instructor had to talk on the radio for like five minutes because, or not five minutes, but, you know, just the first call or two um, in the air because I was just like completely saturated and overwhelmed, but kind of calmed down, got my bearings, and then very quickly kind of got a handle on it, and, you know, I still don't have a great feel for... um, like exactly where I am in terms of ground reference and uh, orientation, all this kind of stuff. Although I will say this, well, actually two things. One, I've had a moving map in my car for more than a decade. Um, I think even like, yeah, significantly, like 12 years or so probably, like a long time by human standards, decent chunk of time, no moving map in the plane, I guess there is one kind of, but it doesn't, it's not really um, as useful. And it's kind of like a, you know, tiny little, eh, it's there, but it's not really that helpful. Um, it's not the same. It's not like a, it's not a tactical display where you're like looking down and you see, oh, here's the airport and here I am. And then you, you kind of figure it out. And I, I think it's actually good to learn without that and then add it back in um, down the road when I have, once you can do that, kind of like maintain that, uh, I think it's good to do it that way versus like if I had a glass cockpit in the plane that, I, that I'm in and I could just do that, I would never really adapt and learn this. And I got to tell you, like the thing that's crazy is it, it's the same experience as with a car, but to a bigger degree. The, when I first started driving, um, kind of my, well, I guess I drove once or twice when I was like 15. Didn't drive from then until my early 20s. And, uh, and my ex-wife just kind of insisted like, yeah, I'm not gonna drive everywhere. So you gotta learn how to drive. Okay, learn how to drive. And at first when you do it, everything is happening so fast, you have no situational awareness at all. And you're like trying to do your scan and all this kind of stuff. And paying attention, just paying attention and keeping any kind of handle on what's going on is overwhelming. Now today, when I drive, I am, I'm not saying that it requires zero attention and I don't want to imply that or suggest it, but definitely like I i realize I have this kind of awareness um, its just kind of like built in almost where I'm synthesizing like I know roughly how fast I'm going. I know roughly where people are. I can almost feel there's a car right here. There's a car over here. This guy, I th- he doesn't have his indicator on, but I th- I'm pretty sure he's going to come into my lane in a minute. And there's a car over there that eh, I don't quite trust them. They have a red light, but they might pop out or something. And you can feel that stuff. And it, in terms of cognitive load, it's very low. Like it's not taking that much. When you first start flying, so much shit, is going on it's just hard to really like you can i would pay you'd fixate i think this is a very common thing i know i know this is a very common thing but you fixate on like oh this is my airspeed. oh this is my altitude and you're stuck on that and then you lose track of everything else and gradually over time and i'm i'm definitely not to the point where i am with driving i'm now like to the point where i kind of you know, it's not totally overwhelming. And I'm starting to be able to like look around and be aware of where I am spatially. And when I first was doing it, like all of the the takeoffs and the landings, well, the takeoff, takeoff, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not that bad. The landing is different. And the thing that was always really unnerving to me, like earlier on, especially the first few flights, The instructor would take us back to the airport, but, and and like, he would always say like, where is the airport? I'd look around and the thing that's weird is like, when you're almost on top of the airport, it looks like an airport, but when you're pretty far away, it's hard to find. It doesn't look like, you need to know sort of ground references and, um, you know, landmarks and things like this. And if you don't have that stuff like, is the airport over here, is it over there? I don't even fucking know. And we would land and I basically like, um, I kind of did it, although he was, it's an interesting thing because like the instructor can kind of, you know, they're on the controls, but not really. And you're, t- you're doing some of the stuff. And gradually over time, you're starting to take more and more of the controls. Um, and it's subtle too, because like, I didn't realize how much he was helping with the rudder until today where he wasn't. And it's like, oh shit, what the fuck is going on? It's like, oh, I actually have to, to do this. Um, and before it was like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he was doing it all, but it was like, eh, kind of helping a lot. And cause, and, and I think it's the right way to, not that I'm an expert. I think it's the right thing to do though, because you like, you're so overwhelmed and there are so many things to do. And you know, like at first, like just maintaining straight and level flight, kind of tricky and it's not there yet but now I'm not even looking at the instruments and I have a pretty good feel, increasingly good feel for, okay, I'm maintaining altitude and I can see the airport and I'm, I'm not quite, uh, you know, like if you look at my, uh, my ground tracks, I'm like always, I have this preference if I'm on the right side of the field, I'm always kind of like pulling into it a little bit. But other than that, I see that the runway is there, I see this, and I kind of see this pattern that we fly, the landing pattern. And it's it's interesting. It's like um, coming together, like coming into focus. At first, it's like you walk out into the sunlight. Um, it's almost like a cave thing. You Walk out into the sunlight and you can't fucking see anything. And you just, uh, you know, I'm just like overwhelmed. And now, you know, you're starting to get used to it. And things are starting to make a little bit more sense. Still a little bright, you know. Still a lot going on, but it's starting like you can get the feeling that a little bit of time, and you're going to start, you know, getting it. I I, I'm within probably I think a couple weeks of my first solo, and uh, yeah, maybe three weeks, but two two to three weeks, probably, uh, pretty reliably, and. It's. It seems much more feasible now. Like before when I couldn't tell where the airport was and all this stuff, I was like, oh shit. Like I'll, I'll get it. My, my thought was basically I'll fly up and then I'll get lost and I'll be like, oh shit, what the fuck do I do? Today, um, if you put me in a plane and I had to take off, I could do that. If I had to fly someplace, I could do that. If I had to land, I could do everything Not necessarily well, but I could do the lining up and the, you know, everything up until like literally a meter off the ground. There, I need more work, Um, but I could, before I was thinking like there's no way in hell I'd even get to the airport. I'd just be like putting down in the desert. Now I'm starting to think, okay, I could get to the airport. Uh, I might still have a rough landing, but I could put the thing down and not be like stranded in the desert. And I can feel in a couple of weeks I'll be able to actually like take off, fly around, land, um, not do that much more yet but still it's a big fucking thing and uh, you know then it's off to like cross country and yeah it's exciting. Um, with that though, I, I think this is a good breaking point. Um, hopefully the computer hasn't crashed probably like a 50/50 shot. Uh, you'll know before I do because, you will have already heard good audio quality or shitty audio quality um so as always thank you for listening um i really fucking hope some of this stuff uh, gets sorted out i do feel like um you know like the the pandemic um as shitty as this is it reminds me a lot of I, I think everything is like this everything that's traumatic um you know like you go through you're doing your phd and there's a period where things just suck so much. You're kind of thinking, this is never going to end. It's hopeless. Uh, it's going to last forever. And then after it's done, in retrospect, it's a. I guess it's like pregnancy and birth as well. Um, there's a flaw or something. Maybe it's a useful aspect of human memory and awareness that it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. You look back and you're like, oh, I would do that again. You know, it's like. You know, in the moment you're like, fuck this sucks. But you look back and you're kinda, I mean, to be fair, I am much less in the fuck this, it sucks uh, camp than a lot of people. Although it is getting to me a little bit. It's kind of grindy. Uh, there are certain things, yeah, you know, there are just certain things like, I don't know. It's, it's more just tired and tedious than anything. But with that, um, again, Thank you for listening. I will hopefully be back on schedule now. We'll see. And uh, stay tuned.